Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Charming Chronicles, where I review manga from the shoujo genre all the way to some fantasy or even slice of life, or sometimes even isekai, okay? <laughs> I am your host, Empress Chronicle. Before we begin, I just want to thank you all, everyone, who listened on in um, in the last episode. It was such a such a kind response, such a warm response. Um, I just want to tell you guys, it, it really does mean a lot. And thanks for, again, giving me another opportunity to do something else that I am very interested in doing. And as always, to God be the glory. In this episode, I will be reviewing the romance manga, The Wolf Boy is Mine by Yoko Nogiri. This manga is currently being sold in two omnibus volumes, which encapsulate all four volumes of the manga. The story is set around Kamugi Kusunoki, who ends up transferring from her current high school to one in Hokkaido after her mother has to leave on business for a year in Fukuoka. 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 Right? Fukuoka. <laughs> her mother gives her the idea of living with her father and her grandparents, whom own a udon shop in Hokkaido. After a traumatic event at school, which led her to be ostracized by her quote-unquote social group, Kamugi decides that this was a good opportunity to start over and decides to live with her father for the first time in years. Fast forward to her very first day at her new high school, the teacher requests for her to sit next to a sleeping student as this was the only seat available. Upon doing so, she stirs up the sleeping student, Ogami, who sniffs her and states that she smells good. Yes. <laughs> I know some of you out there are going to be like, wasn't that kind of awkward to say? It is, okay? It is. Just bear with me. This happens in the manga and I'm trying to give you guys <laughs> the most information I can. This, of course, creeps Komugi out, and she wants now nothing to do with her new seatmate. Of course, she soon finds out by her two new friends, Kane Keiko, two girls who are in the same class as her, that she is currently sitting next to one of the idols of the school. Ogami, along with three others, are the most popular boys in school, and most girls want to date them. So, essentially, a lot of girls are currently envious of Komugi's situation, even though she currently doesn't want anything to do with him, right? Nobody wants to be sniffed on the first <laughs> day of school if he told you spoke. <laughs> Especially the way that it was done in the manga, okay? I'm not doing it justice here. The days continue to pass by, but it seems that no matter how much distance Kamugi tries to put between herself and Ogami, it doesn't work out. Kamugi is trying to avoid a repeat of what happened to her at her last school. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case with Ogami. Instead, Ogami actually continues to try to be friendly with her, even after the first fiasco. Eventually, Komugi confronts Ogami about wanting to put distance between them by telling him to smell her and figure out what the smell is so that way his curiosity is satiated. As she says this to him, a group of girls from her high school pass by and she ends up running away. Listen, you guys, right? Quick, quick intermission here. If you go, oh gosh, this, this can't get any worse. It does, okay? It does. I, I'm trying to salvage it to the best of my ability, but oh boy, just just me going on right now and reading uh, <laughs> what I wrote and thinking back on it, I was like, boy, this is, this is not really that manga. <laughs> so just follow me here, okay? Dear listeners, <laughs> just follow me here, okay? So she runs off, right? Ogami ends up following her and asks her why she ran. Kamugi confesses that at her last high school, the group of girls ended up ostracizing another female student for going out with one of the popular guys. Typical shoujo trope, right? Typical romance trope. You can't go out with the popular guys because 
They belong to everyone. <laughs> but keep, keep, just keep following me here, right? Anil had been passed around and Kamugi refused to take part in it and instead defended herself and another female student. This actually ended up causing her to be kicked out of that friend group and also being ostracized because she decided to stand up for the girl. And I was like, no, she decided to go out with him and he decided to go out with her. That shouldn't be a problem. So Olga Median asks her if she regretted ripping up the note and not doing what the other girls had asked of her to do. She answers that she doesn't regret it. And Ogami points out that it shouldn't matter what other people think. If it's between two people, that is their business. This conversation is what sparks the relationship between Kamugi and Ogami. And it's also part of my frustration with this story. You'll find out. Eventually, Kamugi finds out about Ogami's secret, that he is a half-wolf and half-human, and also the quote-unquote last wolf of Japan. <laughs> I swear, I know that some of the, some of the, the listeners are going to be rolling their eyes at this, but I am telling you, <laughs> it doesn't get any better. <laughs> so she ends up finding out his secret, right? He ends up like turning into this wolf and then back into a human with like ears and a tail. And this, I guess what she saw ends up making her faint, right? So after she wakes up from her fainting spell, she is greeted by the other guys, the other guys of the popular group with Ogami, talking to Ogami about what they were going to do. And so they end up trying to hypnotize her to make her forget. Of course, this doesn't end up working. And so Kamugi is then told to meet with the group after school as they need to discuss what she saw in regards to Ogami. Kamugi wordly agrees to this. And here she finds out that the most popular guys in school are not even human to begin with. <laughs> Big shocker. <laughs> with the exception of Ogami, who is half human. So all of the other ones are not human to begin with, with the exception of Ogami, who is half human and half, I guess, spiritual being. Amongst the four, the two characters we will focus on is Fushimi, who is a fox with the capability to turn into a human, and Ogami. The other two come in and out, but they take more of like a side character role. So we'll only be focusing on uh, Fushimi, Ogami, and Kamugi. Fushimi is very hostile towards Kamugi in the beginning, believing a human incapable of being trustworthy and that she will eventually blurt their secret to, to the world. He even goes as far as to tell her to not fall in love with Ogami, as it wouldn't go anywhere. The relationship would probably just, he wouldn't return her feelings. But of course, in typical shoujo fashion, she does eventually end up falling in love with Ogami. And he, he, she, I mean, and she eventually confesses her feelings for him. Just randomly, she blurts out, I love you. This, <laughs> this then prompts Ogami to answer her confession in probably like one of the coldest ways possible that you can tell anybody who's confessing to you, right? He tells her, <laughs> he tells her, if he can act like he didn't hear that. <laughs> when I tell you, but I wanted to chuck the manga to the other side of the room so badly. And you would, and you would think that there was a legitimate reason for him saying this to her and doing all of this. And it's really, I'm going to tell you just very upfront. It all boils down to miscommunication. Miscommunication. This is why communication is key, my friends. <laughs> because out of nowhere, this happy-go-lucky character that never 
once in the first couple of chapters showed that he was going through some stuff, right? Or that he actually had some sort of emotional baggage on him. All of a sudden, all this teenage angst comes out of nowhere. And it seems like they just added drama to the story just to spice it up a bit. And it's, it, it for me personally, it lands very horribly. Throughout all of this, right, even though he rejected her, even though Ogami said what he said to her, he still had the audacity to be like, hey, I still don't want to lose you. I, I still want you around. We can be friends. I want to keep you close, but I can't be your boyfriend. <laughs> the silence is loud right now. <laughs> the silence is deafening. <laughs> so for this part, I am just going to brush over a couple of things. I will be discussing actual important details. And the reason that I do this is because the last half of the first volume of the omnibus and then the second volume, the first half of that, it's just a lot of back and forth between Fushimi, Kamugi, and Ogami. Where Ogami tries to keep Kamugi close and still tries to be friends because he actually likes her, but because of some past thing that he went through, he tries to keep the distance between people. He wants to end up being the final Wolf of Japan, dying alone. And I'm like, oh my gosh. This is this is just bad writing. Okay, this is bad writing. But follow, keep following me. And Kamugi being like, this is fine. I can get over my feelings for Ogami. This is okay. You know, I can be his friend. Girl, that's not going to work out. And then Fushimi growing feelings for Kamugi, right? And just being like that middleman, even though he realizes he has feelings for her, he legit tells her like, hey, if he don't treat you right, I can't. <laughs> He does not in that way but he does tell her that but he also tells like ogami like you can't keep being this wishy-washy with her like you either have to put have to put a stop to it and let her go completely or you make her your girlfriend and accept the feelings that you have for her and the feelings that she has towards you but you can't be like i want you here but at a distance so it all comes to a head when the legal guardian of these four guys, the popular guys, uh, comes into the picture. He comes into the picture very early on in volume two. The reason that I don't mention him earlier in the in the review is because he's more like a like a, I'm here and I can cause irreparable damage, but I'm not going to because for now you seem safe, right? Like you you're not gonna say anything. Kamugi is not gonna say anything or do any damage. It's not until both Ogami and Fushimi sort of start fighting over her that he starts to get like, oh, I'm going to have to get involved into this. And everything comes together when it's found out that Ogami and Kamugi had actually met before in the past as children. So once this legal guardian, who I forgot to mention, is a crow who is very, very old and somehow has the ability to turn into a human, that's just how they introduce him, okay? <laughs> When he finds out that Kamugi and Ogami recall that they had met each other, he's like, oh, well, mm -mm, this is where I draw the line and puts her, puts Kamugi under a very strong hypnosis that she actually ends up forgetting all four guys and Ogami included. And the reason that he does this is because, as explained in the manga, he just wanted to keep things as they were, where they grew up, did their thing. And, but they still had their like wild side, uh, wild side, excuse me, intact. If 
<laughs> I'm telling you, it's very bad writing everywhere. The funny thing is that this actually ends up being the catalyst that allows Ogami to finally realize that he actually doesn't want to push her away, that he actually wants to be her boyfriend. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry for laughing so much on this episode, but it's just, it's, if I was just so frustrated reading this because it's just, this is just poor writing. Mind you, I know like some people are like, but Empress, you know, like this is a typical trope. This happens often in shoujo manga. I was like, and you, and you would be right, right? Like, I agree with you. The only issue is it's just the way that it's presented and the way that it's done is it's just bad. It's just bad delivery bad writing because trope can still be fun but the way that it's presented in this manga is just well i don't want to be your boyfriend but i want to keep you close okay we can't remain friends i'll be okay with that third guy comes in well if you don't want you i'll take you i'll treat you right first guy is like no <laughs> you can't do that well you don't want her you're wishy-washy about it so i might as well you know do my thing <laughs> This is, this is, it's not as interesting as I am saying it, okay? It's, it's, trust me, I'm making it more fun for you guys to listen to. But when I tell you, it is not as fun as I'm making it out to be, okay? Just trust me on that. So the reason it's found out, right, that they did meet each other as kids when his mother, Ogami's mother, quote unquote, abandons him. Turns out, turns out, she didn't actually abandon Ogami. She took him to the forest because she had heard that it had like supernatural powers, you know, that their supernatural creatures lived there. And she had brought Ogami to his now legal guardian, the crow, because she was dying of an illness. When I tell you that half of the issues that Ogami presents could have been dealt with from the very beginning, if the, the legal guardian had decided that he was just going to tell the truth of what Ogami's mother did, that she didn't actually abandon him and that she actually left him in his care because she was about to die of an illness. Now you're going to be like, okay, but where was the father? The father had actually passed away when Ogami was very young. So his mother loved him to bits, but the problem was that she couldn't take care of him anymore because she was dying of an illness. Do you think that the legal guardian that he has now decided to tell him that from the beginning so that way he didn't feel like he was abandoned as a child? Absolutely not. No. He decides to conveniently leave that out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my lord. Uh, and let me rectify something really quickly. I said that Kamugi and Ogami had met uh, when his mother abandoned him in the forest. She met him after that happened when he, she found um, Ogami on his own and they had played for a bit. And then here we end up getting another revelation and the reason to why Kamugi was not able to be put under another hypnosis, right? To make her forget when she saw um, Ogami's true form, it was because she had already been under another hypnosis because when Kamugi and Ogami were playing together as children, the crow basically put another hypnosis on her to make her forget. And this is why she couldn't remember anything about her time in the mountain during that part of her childhood. So remember, after the crow was like, I don't like the fact that you're remembering, he put Kamugi under a second hypnosis. She eventually ends up breaking it and remembers her feelings for Ogami and the friendship. 
that she had with everyone yada 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 and as anybody guessed it he confesses to her and happily ever after they decided to be boyfriend and girlfriend hooray <laughs> oh gosh as you could all see this was this was not my favorite manga to read it's just poorly delivered poorly delivered and the fact that the I guess the shocker moment or the twist is that, oh, well, yes, you guys did in fact meet as children, but I had put her under hypnosis so she forgot. And guess what, Ogami? Your mother actually never abandoned you. She actually gave you up into my care so that way you were with other people who were similar to how you are and that way you didn't feel alone and that your mother was actually dying and she wanted to make sure you were taken care of. She never actually abandoned you, bud. <laughs> What's even more interesting is when I first picked it up, right, and I didn't, not picked it up because I ordered this online. This was an online order. And when I got it, the back description, the back cover says that Fruits Basket fans, excuse me, uh, let me just look this up really quickly because I have it written down. It says, quote unquote, discover how Fruit Basket fans fell in love with a shape-shifting wolf boy and the girl who discovered his secret. That is so misleading. <laughs> that is so misleading. Now, if somebody can make the argument, they're like, oh, but it's only four volumes. And I'm like, there have been manga that have only been one volume long. And they are phenomenal. And they should have been longer. But unfortunately, they only did it for one volume. And here we have four volumes. And oh my gosh, I could not imagine trying to go back to like Barnes and Nobles or Kinokuniya, which is where I usually buy my manga from. And trying to search for these as they were trying to... So remember, it was usually... Not usually. It was a four-volume manga. Imagine just like going through and trying to get all of these only to figure out that it was all a misunderstanding. And because somebody decided to withhold information, the teenage Ogami was just like, No, I can never accept love. I was abandoned. <laughs> I can't. I just can't right now. And... <sighs> So here's, I'm sure this is what you guys want me to tell you. Empress, do you recommend this, uh, this manga? It's not crazily bad. I really disliked it. Uh, this was my second time reading both volumes, the omnibus volumes. And I still wanted to chuck the book across the room because of just the sheer stupidity in, in writing. And I was like, how do you compare this to Fruits Basket? You know, how, how do you compare this four volume manga and it's actually quite popular. I went into Goodreads, which is like a website where people review other books. So that way, oh, I go, should I pick this up? Or what other people are going to say about it? And so many people were like, it's such a great read. It's such a cute story. I was like, okay, <laughs> what books are you guys reading? <laughs> what manga are you guys reading? Because this is not good. This is not good. Mind you, I've, I've like I like we discussed earlier, right? where you could be like oh but it's it's tropey and i'm like yes but trope don't necessarily make a story bad this was just badly written all over like how do i basically it felt like they were like okay ogami's a happy-go-lucky guy but you know what he needs some angst he needs some angst let's have him reject uh kamugi in the worst way possible and let's just say that he was abandoned by his mother so what was the reason? What was the, what was the reason he he was abandoned? Oh well, she was sick and she just left him in the crow's care. 
and the coaches decided not to tell anybody. Do you see how bad that sounds? <laughs> it's really bad. It's not something where you go like, wow, that's so that's what ended up happening. No wonder. No, nah, it's just somebody withheld information and decided not to help this poor kid who thought that his mother abandoned him. And it was apparently causing issues. No, he was just like, yeah, I just didn't want to tell you. I, I, more like, more so I was like, I, I just didn't think it was important to tell you. Oh my. <laughs> it's, it's bad writing. It's bad writing. I can't defend it. It's bad writing. It's so different. It's like night and day between the first episode manga that I reviewed, Josie the Tiger and the Fish, and this one. It's like night and day. So if you were to hold out both like manga volumes in front of me, I would tell you, just read Josie the Tiger and the Fish. It is a much more heartwarming story and doesn't end up trying to be angsty because they want to add some flavor to the story. Like it, Josie the Tiger and the Fish, we're talking about actual real world problems and how this can actually manifest in some sort of angst, right? Or some sort of depression. This one's just like, nah, let's just make it angsty for the sake of being angsty. And there have been other supernatural romance manga that do do the story, do the tropes really, really well. And does it make you feel like, really? <laughs> that was it? Okay, but enough. Enough of me enough of me rambling and ranting. You guys already have the idea. Would I recommend it to someone? If it is the only option left, like on the shelf, then be like, it's not it's not bad. Don't expect like a stellar story out of it. It's really one of those mundane reads that you just read through it and you may even forget it it's not that memorable it is it's not like like I said before I this is my second time reading through it and the first time that I read it even though I still remember a couple of things it was pretty forgettable compared to some of the other stuff that I read again it's not bad it's not my first recommendation but if it's the only thing on the shelf then I'll go ahead and recommend it if you have another thing that you can read, I would highly just be like, just pick something else to read. This one isn't worth your time unless you're looking for something really, really mundane. Like something very quick while you're waiting, I guess, for another chapter to drop for, from your favorite story or whatever the case may be. As always, everybody, thank you so much for listening in on the second episode. Again, thank you so much for the reception from the first episode. It was amazing. If I sound stuffy throughout the uh, throughout the recording... I apologize. I was getting over a cold or I think I'm getting a cold, whatever the case may be. So I'm trying to tackle it. And uh, again, thank you so, so much for for listening in. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I know I had a good couple of laughs. Uh, once more, thank you so much. Remember, God is good. Remember to stay safe, stay healthy. God bless. And I hope to see you all. Well, not see you all, but I hope that you guys listen on into the next episode. Take care, everyone. And I'll see you all soon. Adios.